Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jordan Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Yeah, I remember it. I remember the catch. Uh, yeah, I mean, similar to the talks we had last week, you know, growing up watching Big Ben. Obviously a big fan, a lot of respect for him, and uh, yeah, I grew up watching him. Uh, I mean, you know, growing up, the, I always kind of viewed him as kind of, you know, the, the blue-collar, hard-working, physical team. Um, I think that kind of still stands. It's kind of kind of what they stand for, and, and uh, you know, like I said, a, a great organization that, you know, I think everybody has a lot of respect for. Hmm. You don't know who that is? Joe Schobert? Jake Luton. He remembers the catch. What catch is she talking about? Uh, Steelers Super Bowl. Back of the end zone. Oh, why are they asking that question? I, I just think he had, they asked him about uh, going up against Big Ben. Oh, okay, I got so you. I, I got you. See, I thought it was Joe Schobert since he's played against Big Ben before yeah. in Cleveland. Dang, over one today, guys. Tomlin was uh, pretty um, effusive in his praise for Schobert, I think, because he played him at Cleveland. I like that and word. Said a, a, Disrupted things a lot yeah. last year. So. I feel like Tomlin's been really effusive. That was the word. Effusive. I, I like that. I feel like Tomlin's been effusive of everybody this week. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Uh, I, I think it's effusive with his praise. I think you got to oh. add that in. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm just going to give you an exemption. We're all good. <laughs> nah. That, that, that doesn't sound that right. Quite like, frankly, that doesn't sound right, Brent. Quite frankly, let's just go with I used a big word, and and I don't even know if it's in the right context. <laughs> Sounds good, though. And that's all that matters. Rolled off my tongue until yeah. you brought attention to it. <laughs> I got to call you out, man. You don't have to get off the hook that easy. Not uh, around here. Uh, I, Welcome back to the studio, by the way. Yeah, no, it's good to be here. Is it just as you remembered it? Yeah. Yeah. Missed it? Or would you rather be home? Rather be home, huh? I, no, mean, I like being in the yeah, studio. You don't want to be outside today in this weather. No, no. Yeah. I like doing stuff from home. I have no problem doing it from home. Yeah. But uh, it was good to kind of get in the car and go somewhere. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of have a purpose, it feels like. Yeah. Right? yeah. That didn't hurt. And yeah. back for Jaguars All Access tonight. We'll be there at the stadium. You can watch the show tonight, 7 o'clock on uh, Fox 30. All right. I want to talk a little bit more about FSU. Uh, and, and first, how about FSU basketball? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to have two of the top 11 picks. That's pretty amazing, again, what he's done. Again, we're, we're the home for football and basketball here on ESPN 690 for the Florida State Seminoles. So uh, why not talk about it a little bit? Yeah. Um, but that was a heck of a night for Leonard Hamilton. A sixth man of the year is the fourth overall pick in the NBA. The wow. NBA is a wacky place. How, yeah. They did him that video, by the way. Where it was just him about the flowers. The whole time was about the flowers. I was like, we're not going to talk about anything else. He did just flowers. Uh, yeah, well, he did a lot. <laughs> but you, did you see his metrics? Did you see when they did I that? I haven't seen the metrics. Or no. was, wait, was it him that has the metrics or was it Vassell? Uh, you know what? I think the metric part was on Vassell. Like all okay. the um, analytics okay. play to uh, Vassell. And they said hadn't had some of the analytics that they were showing. And nobody has had those since like Anthony Davis. Huh. How about that? It's pretty good company. Yeah, pretty good company. You're taking Anthony Davis any day of the week. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, their basketball program is just clicking, man. I mean, they, they well, keep getting yeah. big time recruits. Like now they're spitting out NBA guys. They could have even had, uh, Trent Forrest go and he didn't go in the draft yesterday. Yeah. Well, so, and that's, that's why it's such a bummer with the NCAA tournament. Like you couldn't see Florida State kind of, cause let's be honest, man, they were loaded. They were probably going to go to at least the Sweet 16 and probably even farther than that. And I mean, if you're a Florida State fan of, of, of you know all those athletics, like obviously the football team wasn't doing anything. Like that was your chance to to have some kind of prominence in the sun, and that got taken away from you because of COVID nineteen. It's a bummer. It absolutely is a a, a bummer. Um, overall, were you any surprises in the top ten for the? I mean, I thought Ball was going to go maybe two or maybe top overall. I, I'm surprised he went number three, but it was fun to watch. Right, because like honestly, his dad always saying he's going number one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going number one, and you they show him sitting there, kind of all bummed, and then uh, and then Charlotte takes him, and it's like when C.J. Henderson got drafted by Jacksonville, and they're all just kind of sitting there. Now with C.J. Henderson, it's his yeah, personality, yeah, yeah. right? Like he's just a laid back kind of guy. I might poke fun of it. It is what it is. But like it was just funny how you could tell. Like yeah, you're excited to go to Charlotte, but are you really excited to go to Charlotte? Well, the whole thing with. You know, Jordan and Jordan yeah. and Dad. Where is Lavar Ball in all this? I mean, is he is he has he finally taken a back seat? Is he? I I said this the mm. other didn't I say this the other day where it's like he almost makes you not root for his kids because of him. Yeah, you did say that. Yeah. You know, and that's not fair, by the way. But it's just that's the climate he's now. At the same time. Has he there raised been a up dad? three NBA well, players. Yeah, I mean, and has there been a dad that's tried to do more for his kids than LeVar Ball? Yeah, you know? I, I guess. And, I mean, and I, and I'm, I'm not supporting him. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know, he raised up you know, two top five draft picks. Sure. <laughs> well, and he also created a, a, his own league for yeah. his son. Right? His own shoe. His own shoe. Well, that kind of fell by the wayside. <laughs> it did. I mean, it's, I it, it's, it's over now. But, like, listen, I think we have a personality like LeVar Ball, and we know what kind of personality it is. Um, while he may not be in the limelight anymore, I feel like it's hard for that type of personality to go away. Like, I, I feel like he's got to be heard no matter what. So whether, you know, it's some sort of television show that comes out or some, I mean, you're not going to see the end of, you know, the, the dad, let's just say, because he's always going to be there. His personality is not going to allow him to go away. Yeah, by the way, uh, let's uh, give away a $25 gift card to Donato's Pizza down there on Beach Boulevard. Uh, let's go with caller number four, nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one FSU at four. Uh, Donato's Pizza, giving away a $25 gift card. And we'll go caller number four for Patrick Williams, who was uh, picked fourth overall. Probably won't go 11 on Yakuza, uh later on, but uh, we'll give away another one in a bit. Uh, but Patrick Williams and Devin Vassell uh, going in the top 11 for the Florida State uh, Seminoles. Outside of that, I mean, yeah, Ball was obviously the top three picks are always a, the intrigue. Mm. Uh, you know, FSU getting two guys in the top 11 is is fascinating. I don't think the first Duke guy went off until like 31 or 32. Mm. Uh, crazy. But uh, that's just the, the way it all unfolded. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, NBA draft in a bit because I do have more questions. But I want to keep it on FSU. So a good night for FSU hoops. Not such a good day for FSU football yeah. because they got to relive all where it's gone down, <laughs> right? Where we're, we're just gone. Yeah, you're literally taking all the receipts, all the dirty laundry from what the past ten years? I would say more recently, the last uh, five years. Okay, well, the last yeah. five years, we'll say, and you got to bring it back and put it in this article. It's it's brutal. Yeah, and again, if you haven't read the article, I don't want to assume you have, but also we've got to kind of assume you know 
what it's all about, uh, and we can share it. But it's so long. I, I, we, if we read it to you, it would take till tomorrow afternoon. Mm-hmm. So fantastic work on the article. But it's basically about the the downfall of of the Florida State Seminoles uh, to this point, right? Yeah. And we've seen other programs at this point. I mean, from Alabama to in the mid-'90s to uh, Florida in the early uh, 2010s to Miami really at, at several points, although I'd still say Miami and Georgia, you don't get the four-win and the two-to-three-win seasons like to that degree, yeah. uh, which is interesting. But you really haven't had much success at Miami over the last two decades. Uh, a little taste here or there, but that's it. You, and everybody always says, are you going to be the you? Are you going to get back? Are you going to get back? And if you miss the top of the show, I said, I don't think they ever will get back to that. But that doesn't mean you can't get back to winning consistently and winning big. Those are two separate things. You know, being the you and with that kind of the way people looked at the you in this bad boy kind of cool way, mm-hmm. you're not going to be that. You just won't. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's not allowed. This day, you can't do it. You can't get, you'd get dinged for too many things. Yeah. Right? And nobody's signing off on it. They don't yeah. want to be that. Like, Miami itself doesn't want to be that. They want to win. Yeah. But I just don't believe they want to have that image attached no. anymore. Now they have the turnover chain. They don't want another 30 for 30, as much, yeah. you know, yeah. in that sense. That doesn't mean they want don't want to win. Mm-hmm. But again, I believe, I've always wondered in college football, when will the big money catch up to, to the sport? Mm. And you can take two of the biggest programs from a brand standpoint in the last 40 years and you take the U and you take Florida State. And I think the money's caught up. The money is caught up. They just don't have the resources. Some of the SEC schools, some of the other schools, Clemson's now proven it. They just don't. Texas A&M. I mean, they were able to write a check for seventy five million dollars and they haven't even won anything. But they could do it and Florida State couldn't uh, for Jimbo Fisher or at least give him what he wanted to be able to keep him there. The the money game in college football creates the haves and the have-nots. Well, listen, it's a it's an arms race, right? And especially when you find yourself in a state that is ultra competitive because you share the state with the Florida Gators, you share the state with the Miami Hurricanes. So it's not like you just had the state to yourself, right? Like that's always been a benefit of like the Minnesota Golden Gophers or the Wisconsin Badgers or um I would say the Iowa Hawkeyes, but not really, but like Nebraska, like. They have this take to themselves. So, yeah, you still got to put in the football program, all that stuff, but it's just you there. Not in Florida, right? Like, it, it's the it's an ultra-competitive place, and, like, like, we've been reading and everything like that, and, like, we've been talking about, um, in terms of the competition, in terms of the arms race right now, Florida State uh, is third. Simple as that. Yeah. Well, and, and maybe even worse than third. I mean, if you want to bring in the other schools as well. Well, listen, the, the there was a time two years ago, even, that we asked if the best team in the state – was UCF. Yeah. And it's not like they were, they had great facilities mm-hmm. and for the size of their school, they have a big school actually, but for not being in a power five, they have a really good program and, and, uh, resources and everything else. They have a huge student body. Yeah. And, and have for a long time. So they have dollars. They have great coaches too. But they, they did it because they won. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like they were just rolling in football-only facilities and all this stuff and yeah. the newest PS5s with leather couch. <laughs> I mean, they were getting some of that stuff along the way, especially for that level of play. Like, But they weren't the richest school in the land, and that's why they all of a sudden – they were in a hotbed of talent in Florida, right mm-hmm. in the middle of the state, got good coaches. Scott Frost came in and did an unbelievable job, mm-hmm. and they were able to become – at. At one time, two years ago, we wondered if they were the best program in the state of Florida, mm-hmm. better than Miami, 
the University of Florida and Florida State. They were in that kind of conversation. Now, Florida has obviously done great things under Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. So that that's not a question anymore. Miami's doing nice things right now under Manny Diaz. And UCF hasn't fallen off the block, by the way. They're just not in that kind of conversation. They've lost a couple of times. Uh, this isn't the... You know that the national well, champion edition of the UCF. Yeah, but that's the thing, and that's unfortunately if you're UCF, if you lose, it's like oh, the, the party's over. Yeah, well, that's a problem for Teams them. Teams lose. Yes. I mean, you know, but you know, you know, I was trying to get at. But yeah. it, we could go a long time, and part of it's probably because of the conference they play in. Before, mm. even if UCF isn't good, we might go another ten years before UCF loses, uh, wins only three, four games in a season. Sure. Right. Well, that's where Florida was, and Florida State is. And yes, they play in tougher conferences. I get it. But my point of this is Florida State, if UCF, and, and a credit to them, but UCF can win mm-hmm. without the Alabama budget and the Clemson budget and the Texas A&M and LSU budgets, I understand they're playing lesser competition more often. But the ACC ain't always any great shakes, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to win like two or three games in the ACC. The rest of them are like playing in the American Conference <laughs> at times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek there, but uh, it's it, it certainly in the SEC nah, and the way right. that's been. You're and right. even the SEC now has some of those kind of teams, at least this year. But Florida State will win again is the big point. They will win again. The brand's too big. If Mike Norvell is the right guy, they will win again. They have to find some unity, though, along the way. What that article showcased to us is a lot of the things we've talked about here in Jacksonville. Yeah. Communication. And and they asked this question, Austin, and this is what fascinated me. Who was running things? Yeah. I swear on this show about a three weeks ago to a month ago, we asked the same thing. Yeah. Who's running things here in Jacksonville? Like, who is the ultimate decision maker? And I thought that part was really interesting uh, that Florida State was kind of asking the same things. Like, yeah, Jimbo Fisher's running it. But if he can't get what he wants to run it, is he really running it? You know, I I always say this in business. I think if you're not the big, big boss, you have to have support of the corner offices. And so you have to have belief in what you're doing, which sometimes belief means resources. And so if you don't have those resources, you are fighting that internally. Well, Jimbo was obviously fighting that to a degree from the booster club to the AD to whatever else. And they didn't have lineage there. You know, they just weren't all on the same page. Can Mike Norvell corral that? You know, can their new administration, uh, new AD, can that help things out and get on the same page, even if it might take a couple more years to win more football games? I think the answer is yes. It's a big question. You know, but let's be honest, though, Brent, in terms of a first appearance, in terms of, uh, you know, just like what you think about him. He was not off to a good start. No, right? he wasn't. I mean, he's probably off to the worst start uh, you could imagine. Now, I think he's rebounded a little bit, but once again, you haven't won a lot of games. You beat UNC, and that was it, right? I mean, everything else has been kind of uh, a dumpster fire, let's say. So can Norvell be that guy? Well, I think in terms of recruiting, um, that's still important, obviously, in college football. And I still think that the Florida State brand, it is still well-known um, I'm not sure if it's necessarily like, you know, the cool thing to, to, to be about anymore because they haven't won in a while. But I still think there is something to be said about the tradition of Florida State. Now, whether or not Norvell can get you know his guys in and his image in, time will tell. But I kind of agree with you a little bit. And once again, he got off on the worst foot possible. But I think in terms of recruiting, implementing his offense, getting his guys, 
maybe he can do it. Yeah, and, and they feel like he's the right guy, so that's important. He's yeah. got the support, again, but, of the corner offices. Now, yeah. can they come up with the funds and the dollars? I don't know. I don't know if college football has outpriced Florida State. Sure. Like, that's... Clemson right now is rocking and rolling in that regard. Like you, it's hard to play catch up when you're behind hundreds of millions of dollars potentially in facilities. So you have to find a new way to do it, and that's why I appreciate the teams like UCF. And again, I understand they're not playing in the the, the Power Five, and so they don't have to keep up the Joneses like that. But just you know, it, it's a good enough example to say you can still win. Mm. And if you win at Florida State, by the way, you can win big. You mm. should be able to attract almost any athlete to Florida State. And so you can figure out the dollars, even if you're not playing with a heavy hand that maybe some of the others are. Again, Texas A&M's playing with a heavy hand, but what the heck have they won? Mm-hmm. Texas is playing with a heavy hand. What do they? What do they want? Michigan's playing with all those dollars. What do they want? So it doesn't take just money, is my point. And Florida State has a big enough brand in this state uh, that people want to go there and be a part of it. Yeah. That if they get on the same page and figure it out then they will be okay. This is the quote that got me in the the article. It's a long article again. The bottom line is you don't get rid of someone after a year and a half if everyone is in agreement that the person for the job, uh, that's the person for the job from the outset, one former Taggart staff member said. Different factions that affect the bottom line of your program weren't in alignment with the consensus. There is not any one individual that's in control. That's the problem. Who is really in control of Florida State football? And, And that's... They're not on the same no, page. No, I get that. But it sounds like they're making excuses for Willie Taggart, though. Okay, because you know what Willie Taggart controlled was the stuff on the field. And what we saw from a Willie Taggart coach team was horrible. Now, I'll be honest. I mean, when they got Willie Taggart, I was like, oh, that's uh, that's a great hire. Like, he's going to turn things around, and it's going to be great for that Florida State program. And, and I was wrong, obviously. But I get what that, that the person's trying to say. But at the same time, what you saw in the field, it just wasn't up to standard of Florida State football. No, I mean, I, I think they say in the article, which is really interesting, that sometimes the whirlwind of hiring a guy, you get caught up mm. and, and you don't do enough homework. Mm. Which, shame on Florida State, shame on Stan Wilcox, shame on everybody over there at the time that didn't do enough homework, probably on, on Willie Taggart. But they were a little bit blindsided by the the quick move from Fisher. And so they wanted to act fast, and they ended up hiring Taggart like four or five days later after Fisher left. And so maybe they acted too fast and didn't realize there were some pitfalls along the way with a guy like Taggart. See, they fell in love with the fact that Taggart wanted to be there, and Fisher didn't. They were like... They were like the the rebound girlfriend, boyfriend situation, right? Sure. It's like, well, at least I, I want to be with you. You mm-hmm. know, well, Taggart was like that. And by the way, he had done a decent job at places, but he wanted it almost too bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. You're right there. And with, with Taggart, obviously, as well, um, listen, like – one could assume that when he came in, he had to clean up a lot of Jimbo Fisher's mess, right? Because anytime you leave like Jimbo Fisher did, I mean, there's going to be problems, right? Because oh, yeah. it, was, it was short notice. Well, the quote from that Taggart assistant yeah. that, that they didn't quote, I mean, they didn't say who, which one it was. He said, when we got in there, the culture was very, 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 very bad. Yeah, so exactly. So, I mean, you really have to spend like one year like kind of shaping the image that you want. But once again, and I'll repeat myself, but at the same time, and I get it, maybe you had to do a lot of cleanups and you had to do all this stuff, and I get that. It was a mess when you got here. But at the end of the day, your job is to coach, all right? And what you saw on the field, that just and coming from an offensive-minded guy, it just it wasn't up to Florida State standards. You know what shocked me about the article? Because I'm a huge believer in this. And, and the thing that stuck out to me about Taggart 
is that the coaches and players said something to the effect of he was so unorganized. Mm. Unorganized is like you'd go out to practice and you wouldn't know mm. what we were even doing today. And I am such a huge believer in, see, I don't think you can be great in a leadership role without organization. I really just don't think, like, especially at the, like Jimbo Fisher, they said, man, we knew exactly what we're doing every single minute of every single practice. Yeah. You don't think they know what they're doing with Nick Saban's practice, Bill oh, Belichick's practice? I think the best coaches and best leaders are the most organized. Mm-hmm. Now, sure, they have other qualities, but you cannot be an unorganized guy. How, how can you be an unorganized guy and get a job at a, at a school like Florida State and Oregon, by the way, and, and be successful? I don't even get how you got through that part of the door. Yeah. If that's really the book on you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I mean, he's coaching again. I mean, he's doing okay, I guess, down at FAU. That's what I was going to say. So yeah, yeah. That was alarming to me. Like, <laughs> if I'm on a hiring committee and you tell me, yeah, hey, this guy's great in this and he's great in this, good X's and O's, great motivator, he's going to be a great recruiter. Okay, good stuff. Uh, he's very unorganized guy. I was like, eh, see ya. See ya. Yeah. I'll go find myself another great recruiter, another great X's and O's guy. Yeah. But I want you're not going to be good in the long haul. Or probably in the short term either. Yeah. And by the way, didn't Taggart's offense look like an unorganized guy was running it? It was a reflection of his personality. Yeah. That was one of the most stunning things. That you can get a Division One job that pays millions and millions of dollars a year and be an unorganized guy. Mm-hmm. You can be a great culture builder. You can be a great X's and O's guy. And we know he's a good recruiter. But man, oh man, you got to check that box for me too. Yeah, that would have been a red flag. Again, they might never have gotten that far until they saw it yeah. firsthand. You know, it kind of bums me out talking about being a leader and being organized. I take a look at our studio right now, and it's like, oh yeah, that's dang. Not, well, I said good. I mean, <laughs> we got one. Of the, what, what are you saying? I, I mean, I, I said be a great oh, organizer. Okay, I'm not that. Well, we aren't that. Should we be that? Hey, I, I guess we're not leaders. We're not leaders. What are yeah. we leading here? 690 Syndicate. Yeah, the 690 Syndicate. Brett, they're counting on us, man. They are. Let's go. Let's go and clean that up. Got to clean up that organization. Clean up an aisle 12. Let's go. There was another article today I read that pertains to the Jacksonville hey, Jaguars. How much time do you have in your hands? I do homework. I guess. Organize. Homework. You know when you were asking how I have so much time to play video games and stuff like that? Is I'm not reading articles. Yeah. There's some good stuff out there. What else did you read? I got what, another what, good which one? one. Which one? Did you read about your guy, Kyler? I, I, I glance. Yeah, Listen, he, no one's got to tell me how good Kyler Murray is. I've been saying it that since day one. That wasn't the point why, of the article. Why are we in articles when I can just tell it to you? I'll give you that one a little bit later. And then oh, no, I'll, actually, I'll, I'll do I'll it next. Oh, okay. We got cool. the wall that says it Kyle all later. Murray bump on. coming up. <laughs> it's next on ESPN 690. Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau on ESPN 690 is brought to you by Best Bet Jacksonville and Orange Park. Brent Martineau. Never heard of what happened in Iowa yesterday, and I don't even know how to pronounce the name of it. Derecho. Austin Lane. Iowa State Cyclones. You should call them the Derechos. You can shorten it up, call them the Chos. Why not, man? I'm into it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. If he gets out of Seattle with a W, that's three wins in the last three games. Two in Seattle, one in Arizona against the Seahawks. They will now become this team that people start to say, oh, okay. All they got to do is beat up on the Rams a little bit. They may be the team in the NFC West that start taking over that division. These are moments that kick a guy up a couple notches. If he loses, eh, forget it. <laughs> if he wins, now you start to look at it and go, okay, we understand Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers is there, but this guy is doing something magical and special that's catching our attention. 
That is Keyshawn Johnson. You can hear him in the mornings here on ESPN 690, along with Jay Williams and Zubin. C.J. Henderson, by the way, I'm looking up some information. Just going on uh, injured reserve with a groin injury. Yep. So as for a little bit of that push toward the end of the year, mm-hmm. and uh, it gets slowed down a little bit Yeah, with the groin after coming off a pretty good game, too. You know, I mean, so a chance to maybe gain a little bit of momentum. You don't think his game was as good as, as we're talking about last week? Oh, no, I think his game was fantastic. I just Talking to the mic. I think his game was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I, can, uh, I think his game was fantastic. <laughs> Um, just a little, you know, is it a coincidence, the fact that he had one of his better games of his uh, career so far, and the next week he's on IR for three weeks? I'm trying to implement the, the tanking mode, Brent. That's what I'm trying to get at right now. The Jaguars are tanking. Oh, I didn't even go there in my, in my mind how, with that. How didn't you? That's where your head's been at for the past it, that's four or five good, weeks now. That's a great point. It has yeah. been, so I'm a little surprised. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Uh... I don't know. I don't feel like he's like that critical Whoa, to their wins was, and loss. Hey, I was kidding. Yeah, you're kidding. I yeah. mean, but he would have got. I don't know if he would have been stuck on Juju Smith-Schuster this week, but it's the, another challenge for him. I like that. I want more challenges for C.J. Henderson. I want to see growth out of him. Yeah. And from you know the first game to now, what that would have been the ninth game. I've those book in, in between was eh. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what else. Durability now becomes a bit of an issue with C.J. for me because I feel like he gets beat up every game. And, like, off to the sideline, now he might go back in. I'm not saying he's not tough, but he, durability, I think he already missed one game this year. Yeah. And now he goes out for the next three at least. So I feel like we're going to end up getting incomplete on C.J. Henderson's rookie year, and I don't want that. That's my point. I got you. Yeah, I mean, it's up in the air right now. Um, I mean, let, let's be honest, though, Brent. I, like, let me ask you this question. Do you think we've seen more bad or more good from C.J. Henderson this year? And in the games that we've seen so far, uh, I don't. I don't think I would put bad. Okay. I don't think I've seen enough good. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, I, so I've it's, got like like if so we were doing complete, this, then if we were doing the C.J. Henderson check mark game or minus, yep, okay. or minus, like or or like in between. So check mark, you know, hashtag or like a negative, okay. right? Well, keep in mind, in our game, we don't do in-betweens, though. No, we don't. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, if we were, I'd okay. have two yeah. checkmark games. And I probably would find one more in there. Okay. But two, the first one and then last week. And by the way, last week, again, it wasn't like this flawless game. I mean, he still had some things. And then I would probably have, like, two or three, like, kind of, meh. Mm-hmm. And then probably whatever it is, two or three, or whatever the math is, that, like, nah, didn't look good. Okay. You know? I got you. And so I don't. That kind of puts me in a in a tough spot. You know, it puts you. It puts you on the fence. It does, and I don't want to be on the fence about these. Guys. Now listen, I don't I, you have no choice. I mean, he's you're going to be your guy at one of the corner spots going forward for yeah. the next few years. But I want to be able to rely on some things. Sure. You know, you're going to take us to the wall that says it all in a bit. Yeah. Devon Hamilton's a guy that I can start to rely on a bit. You better believe it, man. So guys play like, I feel like. I mean, it's only like three games, but you know, you get the point. So um, he's out for three games. That's the news. It's a groin injury. Now he could still come back in time for the final four games of the year, mm-hmm. and then you know we'll see what happens yeah. uh, down down that stretch. And uh, 
I think it's a bummer though to lose a. I, I don't want to lose any of these young guys down the stretch of the season. Yeah. You know, I want to see. I want to see James Robinson because he's the most entertaining player on their team. Sure. But I do want to see Devon Hamilton. I want to see Chase on stay healthy. I want to see guys like that stay healthy so I can see more of them. Daniel Thomas. I, I need it, to see more action from them. That's that's yeah. one of the things I'm looking forward to in the final seven games of a one and eight team that's lost eight <laughs> games in a row. So give it to me, please. Stay healthy, guys. But at least with James Robinson, like, listen, whether he is going to play another game this year or not, you know what you got with James Robinson. Right, I think we're starting to get a good idea of what we have with Devon Hamilton. But like you said, we don't know right now really with Chase on, and we don't know with C.J. Henderson. So I agree with you where these guys got to play because we got to see progress and we got to give them the, the proper critiques. I shared an article earlier today. I'm going to just talk about this for a couple minutes because I feel like it's something we've talked about on the show before, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sports Illustrated. Uh, I think it was Albert Breer did a story on Steve Keim and the whole Kingsbury thing and the Kyla Murray thing. And, you know, really Josh Rosen and Steve Wilkes and how they went bold, right? And and they basically said, you know what, listen, these guys aren't bad, but we can get better. And my goodness, man, does that resonate with me? I, I know we've talked about this in the past. Like, we've tried to find the solution for the Jags. That's what we're after. And, and you know, we we tried a little bit with Urban Meyer yesterday, right? Yeah. Laying the foundation of the culture. Like, what's mm-hmm. it going to do to take it? Who yep. do you need to get in here? What? How do you flip this around? You were and trying to bring in Theo Epstein yesterday. I was trying to get Theo Epstein if, if that's need be. That's how desperate we are right that's now. That's how bold I am. I mean, that's 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 bold. Now I yes. just want a lunch. That's bold. Between Shad Khan <laughs> and Theo Epstein. And if they want to invite me, I'll be I'll be have, glad to come along. Because you're going to facilitate it? Is that what's up? No, nah, I mean, this, they're both the living in Chicago. Just go meet. On the street. Unbelievable. And go to some pizza place. Unbelievable. I'm not going to have a Chicago Cub, a former Chicago Cub manager be the G- Listen, if that happens, find a new co-host. <laughs> it's not going to happen. not going to support that. Do the Jags need to be as bold as Arizona, or can they be as traditional to fix it? <sighs> no, listen, I mean, in, in terms of tradition, you, you can't be traditional anymore. Like, the, the fortune favors the bold. You got to think outside the box a little bit. Now, and listen, of all people who should be hyping up the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, I think we know that should be me. But at the same time, though, let's keep in mind, Brent, this is one year, okay? Last year, we were ready to tell, say that, at least I was ready to say that Lamar Jackson is, like, the next, the biggest thing since sliced bread, right? And, like, no one's going to ever be able to stop him because, what did I tell you? It was like, oh, he's a dual-threat guy. So even if we're, you know, you take his legs away, he still has the arm to kind of keep things in check and the Ravens are going to be great for a long time. Now, the Ravens are a good team, but are they a great team? Are they a Super Bowl contending team? Ah, Probably not right now from what I've seen. Now, that could change, but not right now. So, with the Cardinals, yes, they thought outside the box. No one believed in Kingsbury. I certainly didn't. You got rid of Josh Rosen. You brought in Kyler Murray. And let's be honest, there, there, there were some discrepancies to that, saying, why would you trade away Josh Rosen? Like, you guys invested that first, you know, the first pick, or not the first pick, but the first round pick on him. Why would you trade him away? And so there's been a lot of, you know, negative feedback in terms of how the Cardinals have done. And you know what? They're having the last laugh, at least right now, because they're the ones that are having success. Now, can they sustain the success? You know, can can Kingsbury's offense keep evolving? Can it keep, you know, reaching greater echelons? We'll see. But remember what happened with Sean McVay as well. Sean McVay had that one great year. I think it was his first year, wasn't it? Or second year? Uh, I think that was, I think it was year two. Maybe year two. Say. Okay. Whatever it was, it was, he had that one great year where it was, it was like, well, this is different, right? And, and this is, we haven't seen this before. What happened the next year? 
teams figured it out a little bit. I just wonder if teams can eventually figure out what Kingsbury is trying to do, or is Kingsbury the mastermind where he can keep evolving? And let's be honest, when you have a quarterback like Kyler Murray and not like Jared Goff, that helps as well. What was the boldest move that they made? Because this whole article was written off DeAndre Hopkins and the Murray yeah. Hale Mary, and, yeah. and they added Hopkins as well. Sure. Right? So they go trade Hopkins. They have but to listen, move money they, around. That's not a bold move. No, I mean, they didn't give up any. They you, won you that. They David stole Johnson that. in a second-round pick. That's not bold at all. No, that's not bold. They got lucky. Like, cause yeah. It always takes a bit of luck, but sure. you you have to make your own luck sometimes. I like that. And so was the Rosen to Murray move the bold move, or was it bringing in Kingsbury, no, was. who was not even a winning coach in college? Yeah, it's, to me, it's by far it's Kings it's Kingsbury, right? Because and I, and I go back to the Sean McVay stuff again, right? Like when Sean McVay, uh, you know, got his job with the Rams and he had some success right away. Well, then everyone was, Oh, we got to go with the young guy, go with the young guy. And to me, Kingsbury at the time seemed like the flavor of the week, right? Where it's like, this guy hadn't had success in college. He had uh Patrick Mahomes and nobody even talked about that. And how many games did you win? Not that many. I mean, how'd you not win a, a conference title in the big 12 with Patrick Mahomes? He didn't do it. So I think when they got Kingsbury and I was under the same philosophy, I was like, man, what are they doing? But you know what? It seems to be like the right pick. And remember what happened his first year, too, with Kingsbury. Remember how he had, like, the practices where during training camp guys got, like, cell phone time? Yeah, yeah, Whatever. Yes, and, they, yes, and, yes. Like, yes. juice box breaks? <laughs> Dude, we're making fun of that, right? I'm like, what's happening to the game of football? Are you kidding me right now? Well, it seems like his players like playing for that guy, and they're having success, so... You can't hate on it. Well, here's the deal, okay? I, I really believe the Jaguars have to do something bold at some point. I think if you yep. look at the Ravens, what they've done to continue success, not flip it. Yeah. I think if you look at the Raiders, Mayock yeah. and, and Gruden for 10 years, yeah. that commitment. Arizona, what they've done, the malarkey to Vrabel move. That was that nobody would do not a lot of teams would do that they had just won a couple of years yeah. and then they go to Vrabel the Jags need to be bold is it bringing in Daniel Jeremiah nope. right you, you and me <laughs> that's bold I don't want any part of that uh, I want to just talk on, about him okay I got you uh, you can though and then oh, I'll, I'll rip you I'll every day <laughs> but they have got to by the way They've kind of helped build this bold city thing, right? Yeah. I mean, you gonna be the bold city? Well, why do we keep sitting on quarterbacks and know, everybody man. forever? I hear right? you. I, I hear mean, you. so I, again, like this is—they did—they're the antithesis of this. They—they they sat on Bortles for five years and let all these guys go by instead of trying to get great at the position. Yeah. Even though they were just hoping to be pretty good at the position. Don't hope to be pretty good. Hope to be great. Listen, in terms of the draft this up and coming year. You're probably going to have a bold move at the quarterback position, yeah, right? One that's going to fall you in your lap. Exactly. Yeah. And now you got to have a bold move in terms of the head coaches as well and maybe the GM. And listen, man, you said, bro, this is the bold city, all right? Tim McGraw's from here. Start <laughs> acting like it. It doesn't get much bolder than that. I thought he just performed here. Yes. Uh, he's from here, too. Oh, you he? made him from here. He's not from here. People are saying he's from here. He's not from here. Oh, well, even better. Okay, he performed here. Tim Tebow's not? from here. Okay. <laughs> who's, who's that? I'm talking Tim McGraw, man. <laughs> Stars go blue, Tim McGraw. Uh, we'll be back on He's ESPN 690. He's from Louisiana. Or is it Mississippi? Still performed here. Uh, no, uh, I don't know. Is he from, like, Vidalia? Listen, Tim McGraw doesn't perform anywhere, all right? But he performed in Jacksonville. Yeah, like Dahlia or something like that. Vidalia, Louisiana. Maybe maybe like two, how about three that venues right there? How about that right there? Hey, stalker. That is an unbelievable poll right there. I'm a little concerned. It's incredible. How do you know so much? We'll be back on ESPN 690.
Welcome back, everybody. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Thursday in Jacksonville on ESPN 690. You know they can hear us all the way up to Savannah, Georgia, which means they can hear us in St. Simons Island. And there's a good event going on up that way. One of the great places on the planet, by the way, if you haven't been, Sea Island, Georgia. you got to check it out, especially if you like golf. And this guy knows all about it right now. He joins us, Davis Love III on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, hosting the RSM Classic for more than a decade now. Congratulations on that. And, by the way, thanks for taking some time as round one uh, is in the books up your way. Thank you. Yeah, they just got done. Um, there's a few players still out here practicing. I'm standing outside the tournament office um, watching things kind of wind down for the day. But, yeah, good first day. It was tough. A lot of wind. <laughs> wind and cold. I, I Fall think, is here. I figured yeah. that would be the case, right? I mean, the, well, the wind's going to blow a little bit off that water anyway, but with the cooler temps this week, I, I figured you might get some windy conditions. Yeah, I, don't, I guess um, we had kind of a, something, a front go through behind that little tropical depression and, it's been blowing. We needed it. It's been wet, as you guys know down there. It's been very wet along the coast, and we needed some wind, but these guys didn't want this much. It's, you know, 10 to 20 today and tomorrow and maybe not slowing down much on the weekend. But today was a cold start. It was, um, you know, in the 50s with wind chill going this morning. Some guys had some trouble getting started this morning. The sun came out a little bit and it calmed down a little at the end, but still some good scores. I mean, you've seen them there. Um, there's some six-unders and a bunch of five-unders. So guys are, are making some putts. Greens are very good. and um, These guys figure it out. You know how it is. No matter what we do, somebody's going to shoot low on the PGA Tour. Yeah, absolutely. And guys are having pretty good rounds despite some of the conditions out there. Uh, Davis Love the third with us uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I know it's the question of the week for you, but I'll ask it anyway. You've played in this event uh, every year. You've done it. Uh, this year you have a neck injury, so you're out. I know you wish you were playing because you love competing, but uh, how is it from this vantage point, sitting out the first round and kind of just making sure things are in order? Well, it's, well, I have a great team in our office that um from our tournament director todd thompson my brother mark on down got a great group that runs this thing and generally i'm filling in at night you know hosting parties or or entertaining clients and we don't have them here this year so um this is the worst year for me to be out because there's really not much for me to do and we, we don't have any fans um we have a few sponsors around that uh, are staying in the lodge that are in the quote bubble um, but, you know, there's not much going on, really. It's um, kind of a, a strange year for us, obviously a strange year for a lot of people in this world. But um, but it's going very smooth. Uh, I hate not playing, but everything's going smooth so far. And looks like we're going to have a, a shootout again here. A lot, of, a lot of great players playing well. Yeah, I, I, I'm looking up. i got to try to find where Webb Simpson's at because uh, he's been knocking on that door. He loves that golf course or, or those golf courses, doesn't he? <laughs> He does. He plays well, and there's there's Camilo Villegas is six under starting off, and he's always played well here. And the guys that actually live on the island haven't had that much success, <laughs> but there's a lot. But there's a lot of guys that come here a lot that love it here. Um, Charles Howell the third won a couple years ago. He loves it here. He's obviously got great ties in Georgia, and um, there's uh, there's a lot of guys that um, would dearly love to win here and I, I hate not playing i'd like to get in that mix as well but um i've got the best field we've ever had man it's incredible just watch jason day finish and got justin rose and 
Um, a lot of the Europeans, foreign players that are on the European tour, usually this time of year, um, are over here playing out the week after the Masters. So it's an exciting year for us. We hate it that our that our friends here around the island and our friends from Jacksonville can't come out and watch, but hopefully they'll catch it on TV and next year will be um, back to normal. Yeah, we'll be watching on TV. Davis Love III joined us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, uh, hosting the event, the RSM Classic. You know, I've been covering the event for over a decade, been up there so many times. Uh, when did you switch to the two golf courses, and do you like that? Uh, do the players like that? Well, when we switched to this date, I guess like four years ago, uh, the week before Thanksgiving, the daylight goes away. So we can't play as many players if we just play one golf course. So playing two golf courses the first day where we can split the field in half, you play plantation course one day, seaside the next. If you make the cut, you get to play seaside on the weekend. That lets us go to a full field of 156 players. And then I came up as a rookie on the tour trying to make my way. It gives us a chance to get a lot more of the young guys, the guys off the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, It gets everybody in the tournament, so it's great. This year – has been a strange year. You know, we were out for so long. So many players are wanting to play now that we're back to playing that um, we have a very top-heavy field. Uh, we didn't get as many of the Corn Ferry guys in as we usually do, but um, we love it. We have two two days, uh, two courses for the Pro-Am, so we have almost double the Pro-Am spots, uh, lets people play with the pros. So it works out really well, and we've got two great golf courses here and lets all the, the players and the people on TV see both of them. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the cool part about Sea Island and sea, Seaside Course, which is one of my favorite courses, if you go and you're playing and, and you're enjoying and then all of a sudden Davis Love the Third, if you're playing in like June or something, he'll just go buy on his golf cart because he's going fishing. Or maybe he's going to be in a boat out there and the, just fishing a little bit. It's just an awesome piece of property. Uh, and Davis Love the Third's been up there for a while right now. He's on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And I kind of give you a home here in the Jacksonville area. You're in the World Golf Hall of Fame in St. Augustine. You won the players championship a couple of times and one of our other local guys they're going to host he's going to host an event coming up next year in 2021 on the champions tour of course your good friend jim furick do you have any advice for jim as he gets set to host an event uh at timaquana next year well i've been giving tabitha furick a lot of advice on running the tournament because we know who's going to be running <laughs> that show Tabitha is really is really good at running their furick and friends events that i've played in so much down there and yeah, we've been helping them out. Um, they, you know, they're, Jim's like me. He's been around the tour a long, long time. He knows he knows what he wants and how to get it. And um, we've been helping them a little bit. They they hired a great tournament director, uh, stole him from the PGA Tour, and and he'll do a great job. I was down there for their media day. Um, Timaquana is going to be an incredible place uh, to play a tournament. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited for for Jim and Tabitha. It's going to be a lot of fun and. Nice to have another pro event in our area. And like you say, I've I've played all right in Jacksonville. I'm I'm looking forward to coming back down there and playing. Wow, you're a good friend of the area, and we appreciate you jumping on. On the day, the opening round of your tournament to jump on for a few minutes, we appreciate it. I know everybody loves you up there. Good luck with the rest of the event, and uh, happy Thanksgiving and holiday season to you and your family. Yeah, thanks again for all y'all's support, and I hope everybody in Jacksonville enjoys watching it this weekend. We will do that for sure. Davis Love the Third. Have a good weekend. Uh, of course, the World Golf Hall of Famer, uh, two-time Players Champ, hosting the RSM Classic, right up there in St. Simon's Island, Georgia.
one of the best kept secrets. If you ever get a chance, you love golf. Go play that golf course and in the golf courses, I should say. Uh, but Seaside, one of my favorites, no doubt about it. Matt Wallace in the lead, along with Camilo Vijegas, Rory Sabatini, Peter Malnati, Cameron Tringali, Adam Long, Patton Kazeri, Robert Streb. Uh, who else we got? Keegan Bradley. Gosh, a bunch of guys at five under par. Where was Webb Simpson? Two under par. So he's not too far off the pace. That was Davis Love third. Coming up when we come back, the wall that says it all. I'm going to talk about the rookie, Devon Hamilton, once again. Get ready, Buckeye fans. This guy's playing well. It's next on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.